there are tools for you to improve your, your sleep and your eating habits and things like that. Things like eating diaries. That's that's one thing. Sleeping schedules. Uh, I found that really. I heard diaries aren't that nutritious uh, when you start <laughs> eating them. <laughs> Welcome to the Forever Young Podcast. This is Tim or Tom, whatever floats your boat. I'm one of the co-hosts for Forever Young Podcast and I'm joined by Charlene, B, and Nick. Say hello, guys. What's up? What's up? Hello. Hey, yo. <laughs> so, Tim or Tom? Yes. Does anyone want to explain where that, why we call you Tim or Tom? It's not exactly the most exciting story <laughs> in the world. It's true. But it's dumb. Um, it's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but just a little autocorrect story. We it was I think it was more used when you were annoying us. What? <laughs> well, at the start, wasn't it? Wasn't it like ah, he's Tom. Yeah, it's, he's being uh, a Tom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it was an autocorrect thing because we're like ah, oh, Tim. I oh, sorry, Tom. Ah, Tim. Ah, damn it. It was. It definitely started with Adam. Yeah. yeah but yeah, good old Adam. Oh, yeah. But then now you're just Tom for everyone. Oh no! We introduce you as Tom for everyone. Hey, I st- lecturers, I still call you Timmy. Hey. I still call you Timmy. Thank you. Yeah, yes. thank you. So this is just to clarify that if you hear Tim or Tom, we're referring to the same person. Or are you? <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, imaginary fifth co-host. Okay, today. <laughs> anyways, we're going to talk about experiences. Um, how we got into Chinese medicine. Yeah. So shall we start off with Brendan? Yeah. I feel like you've got the most background in Chinese medicine, at least. Okay. So, yeah. So, just for context, my dad is a Chinese medicine practitioner, too. Um, he's got his own clinic and um, everything like that. So, with that, I have a lot of uh, growing up uh, with uh, Chinese medicine, you know, in terms of, oh, if I'm sick, my dad's like, take this. Or if, if, I'm, if I have been feeling a little bit down, it's probably because of this. And he gives reasons to, usually, to things. So, that's kind of like intertwined in my own train of thought and everything. Um, how did everyone start off with like Chinese medicine? I know Charlene and Tim, uh, both of you guys are raised in um, a Chinese med household, or sorry, a Chinese household or a Chinese based household. Uh, how 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 did that formulate into your lives and everything like that? Yeah, so for me, I have these memories of when when we were sick, my mum would take us to this Chinese medicine lady, and my like most vivid memory is like she has this outside chair swing inside so she would like take our pulses as when we were kids as we were swinging on this thing what? and I was like I have That's no idea what's hell. going on <laughs> and then we'd leave and mum would be like look now you have to take these herbs and I hated them mm. um, as all children do and now I'm like I understand as like, all people do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. nobody yeah. actually likes taking herbs yeah you know, I suppose we have to. I mean, it's medicine for a reason, right? <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I just remember taking like spoonfuls of just powder and it'd be just like, Ooh. you know, the you know, whole cinnamon challenge thing? That's, that's it, nasty. It was like that. It would just get a whole spoon of, hey, take this. <laughs> 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 it was crazy. Yeah. All right, Tim, what about you? What about you? How did you go up with it? Um, there's not really much that, this n- it wasn't really a big thing. It's sort of just like, oh, you have this take this random ass Chinese herb. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I don't remember if it actually had any good effects or anything. I just remember it worked sometimes and it like became so part like of my life that I just didn't change from like normal medicine. Yeah, It was yeah. pretty much the same Western and Chinese medicine were just medicine. I can't, I can't feel me. that because when we grow, when we're growing up, we used to like the whole Western medicine. It like works straight away, mm. but with Chinese medicine, it's a little bit slower. Mm. I think that's like, yeah, as a general lesson for like even, you know, the listeners and everything like that. Um, generally, Chinese medicine's a lot slower. 
So you're not going to see the results as as per Western medicine. That's what puts people a lot uh, puts people off um, Chinese medicine in general. Um, as, as for growing up, it's funny. Um, it's kind of funny that funny that you mentioned that because I I had a, I have a pretty similar experience where it's like I don't know whether it's working or not. Sometimes it kind of just I just take it just because my dad taught me to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now looking back, it did work. Yeah, and then on the other end of it, we have Nick, who I just learned no about experience. it when you started uni. Tell uh, us. The only thing that I have is that little cartoon of an Asian guy that he's blind and he's got the acupuncture needles next to the poison needles. And that's the only thing. That's the only thing I knew about acupuncture, Chinese medicine, anything. So, um, yeah, I just applied and got in and... But I always wanted to do something natural. Uh, yeah, I knew your background was like uh, naturopathy and things like that. Yeah, I so I only recently found out that my mum completed a degree in naturopathy before no she passed way, away. Really? Yeah, which so I had no idea. Is she a coincidence? Yeah, kind of. Uh, she studied it before I was alive. Um, and then, yeah, I come along and all that stopped, of course. <laughs> Just trouble. Come on, Nick, come on. <laughs> um, so I always wanted to do something natural, but what that was, I don't know, and... Sort of just fell into it. it, but I've loved it ever since day dot, which is which is pretty good. Shall we mention that we are all now fifth year students Ooh. about to graduate this year? It's last year, uh oh, this is it's so weird. Uh-oh. Like twenty fifteen was we're around, twenty nineteen seems so far, and now it's twenty nineteen, and I'm like, I know eh. it, it seems so surreal. Like I, I still can't believe that we're about to. Well, we're going to graduate this year. That's crazy. So Tom, it's really scary. Tell the listeners what fifth years means for us like why is it so significant apart from graduating so like what's a, what's a part like of our fifth year that yeah. we're going to be going mm-hmm. through and why mm-hmm. yep are you, ready, <laughs> are you ready for being a fifth year um, are you ready to graduate this year yes as you can probably know right now from me speaking i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> yes sir. oh my god <laughs> i don't feel like i'm ready to not be a student I, i've always been a student yeah yeah I, I, yeah i feel I you I've, i'm actually quite terrified of not being a student and not having that to fall back on. Yeah, yeah no concession. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no concession. more concession, Mike. No concession, dude. And when everybody asks, it's like, oh, I'm I'm a Chinese medicine doctor or I'm a practitioner of Chinese yeah. medicine now. It's not, I'm a student of Chinese medicine. And that's that's scary. That trips me up because, like, when I was in, uh, when I was in Vietnam, I was uh, talking to my dad about after I graduate and he, he, he said that I'm technically a doctor whilst I'm, like, when I finish, I'll be a doctor. And that's a weird thought. Like, I never thought I'd be a doctor. Like, you can be called a doctor. And, of course, like, in Vietnam, you're respected as a doctor. So, it's it's up there with all that other stuff. So, it's a, it's an achievement in itself, you know. So, shall we talk a little bit about that Vietnam? Yeah, trip? yeah, yeah. Things you only just got back a couple of weeks ago, not even? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so how was that for you? Yeah, no, it was, it was really, really insightful. Like, when... So just for context, what what I was doing in Vietnam was I, I spent uh, a week in the, a Chinese medicine or acupuncture hospital. I was following uh, Dr. Dong, who was he was amazing, uh, PhD, and also a a student from my dad's master, which was also phenomenal. Meaning that I'll that's, get into that's later. an interesting uh, concept that Chinese medicine has sort of lost is that master, you know, master disciple student. Yeah, student yeah, yeah. It was concept. it was it was freaky. Which I think it, I think it's a bit sad, but you know, it, it kind of makes sense for modern day study. Mm. But we lose that, like having a master or having a. Oh, I don't know. I think 
I think it's still there. It's still strong, strong within that because those the guys that were there. Because I met, I met the um the chief of the of the chief of medicine at uh, that hospital or the previous one, and he he was also like phenomenal. And I I figured that when he gets older, he will become like a master. I don't think that's ever lost. I think it's just the older generation. I think it's just harder to find. Like in modern day Chinese medicine, I think it's harder to find. I think especially in Western cultures, Mm -hmm. it's not as much emphasized. So for the background, when Chinese medicine was like in history, basically the only reason that Chinese medicine got passed down, they didn't before they taught it in universities, was that there was a master who would experiment, figure out all these remedies, and then they'd take on a student possibly the first son of the family or if they didn't have a first son they'd find someone to teach everything to and that's how it's been passed down for thousands of years that's why there's no kind of that evidence base behind it it is a very kind of familial like thing and so now with universities and stuff I think it's taken out the need for masters a little mm. bit. Yeah, I yeah. Like, yeah, that catch loud as but hell. That <laughs> being, but that being said, we once we graduate, we're still only in the beginning of our Chinese medicine journey. Oh, like definitely. we only get the basics and there's still so much to learn. So I, yeah. And I'd, I there's no way you could fit that into a five year course anyway. There is so much theory that we didn't talk about and there's so much theory of the theory that we t- talked about that we didn't touch and how to apply that is yeah there's so much there's so much yet to learn yeah Yeah, it's a whole world Mm -hmm. there's a whole world to it Uh, when i was in when i was in vietnam itself like they were using there was theories here and there that i didn't even know like there was just uh it's just a whole world like when i was when i was introduced to tong theory that was like oh my god there's so much more than just six meridian theory and Mm. Um, five elements yeah. in yin yang. Yeah, uh, there's so and much more still, to it. There's so much yeah. more to those. Yeah, that, you know, I'm, the more you read, the more you find it. I don't feel like that's really amazing with Chinese medicine. Yeah, and I think yeah, like you said, uh, doing the five the five year course isn't enough to pack it in. Um, so you see now nowadays when you see practitioners, they've followed their own path and they've followed maybe a certain theory that they've really specialized in, uh, and it's just really cool to see how you can manipulate it to your to your content and make your own style to it. That's actually one thing I really loved about uh, Clinic is that you can see people divert into their own into their own styles, especially when we're in Clinic. And yeah, as, we, yeah. as we've grown, we've sort of taken our own paths. And that, that's really interesting. I, I really enjoy that. Tom, have you got anything to say? You're being very quiet over there. <laughs> no. <laughs> time for a nap, huh? Yeah, it is. It's only lunchtime. Feels. A 12 o'clock nap. like that. I do. Yeah. Um, anyway, so as I was talking about like the Vietnam experience and everything like that. So um, continuing on to the context, uh, I, I followed the at the time chief of medicine w- within the clinic, and he he was told, telling me all about this acu the acu points that he was using and the conditions. He'd give me the lowdown. Um, I was hap- I was absolutely um, thrilled to also follow one of the one of his upcoming students, um, Doctor Chong. Uh, he was he was really he was a really uh, really good student. Um, it was both him. And Dr. Dong, who were the only two people that could uh, speak Vietnamese, sorry, speak English, and also basically show me the show me the ropes and show me around. And he he would just go through each case, would talk to each each case, and Dr. Chong would also talk through certain like certain conditions. So first first day we went through insomnia, the second day we went through face paralysis. Which, by the way, face paralysis there is a lot of, and I don't know why. Like we never see it here, 
But in Vietnam, there's a lot of face paralysis. I feel like we just don't see it at the student clinic. We saw a case when we were at... External. Yeah, external placement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like we just don't see it at the student clinic because I feel like it's a bit more of a serious condition. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, uh, Dr. Chong was like, hey, apparently all the people that come back from Australia have face paralysis when they come back to Vietnam. That was yeah, it was like from Australia, and that's and uh, a lot of the time I was like, "What? We don't we're, like we're not particularly windy, you know. We have whack weather, but yeah, no, that's really interesting. Uh, I wonder where that comes from. I want like, did he explain the back to that, or like, nah. did he give you anything else? Or I mean, it's just that <laughs> <laughs> the, the all Vietnamese people that come back from Australia all got face paralysis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of like that. <laughs> Bullshit. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it was kind of like that. The, the English was pretty limited, so it was, it, it was basically like that. Yeah, that's but, fair enough. That's fair yeah, enough. but overall, the experience was like really good. Especially uh, one of the things that I, I got from it was obviously how to treat certain conditions, as you do seeing different conditions internationally. But the assertiveness of how to needle, like the free needling, was ridiculous. He w- he would do points that would normally scare people, like bladder one and two, freehand, just th- done, and that that's what freaked me out. I was like, "Oh my god!" How what's, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? In so the one of the one of the guys that was um that were being electro that was having electroacupuncture, he took the maximum amount, like the max, and you could see him like visibly crunching up and like contracting, and his shoulders were literally doing like butterfly motions. But he was like, "Chill." He was like, "Yeah, no, that's cool," and that was crazy. I feel like we're um we're like in this little bubble as students where we. Where we're like afraid to go that far, yeah. But sometimes you need you need all that, um, and I feel like we miss we miss out on the extremes of how far we can go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, and with um, Vietnamese style of acupuncture, there's a lot of electro. So you'll see you'll see a lot of people, especially like my dad. I understand why he uses so much electro acupuncture now, is because in Vietnamese theory there is a lot of electro acupuncture, and I think you get the most. Well, personally, I think you get the most effectiveness out of electroacupuncture because you're really sti- constantly stimulating those needles. It makes sense when you when you think about it. Um, you know, the 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 electroacupuncture really does make sense yeah. to to stimulate that constantly. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I was actually introduced to was um pharma I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like pharmaceutical um acupuncture where they take things like they used uh, some sort of painkiller. I forgot, I forgot what it was. It was a not a not a morphine. What's a what's a um what's one of those like painkillers? I, I, it's 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 completely gone for me. Like NSAIDs? Nah, nah, nah. More. Ah, oh, it's it's a really common one. I have Analgesics? to. Analgesics. I'm just. These are like the classes. <laughs> these are like pharma, pharmaco from just terms of pharmaco. Yeah, yeah. Um, nah, I I've, I've got to get it for. I'll get to get it later. But basically, they were injecting like certain certain things. Um, cerebrolysin was one of them. Uh, into into the acupuncture points, and then whilst the electro was going on, um, and that like the fact that there were syringes mixed in with uh, not mixed in like, but like as in we were they were using syringes and acu, that was like whoa. I've seen a little bit of that on my Instagram. Um, I follow some guy that does does that sort of stuff, and I sort of skim over it because it's a bit too bit too much for all of, you know for Instagram at the moment, <laughs> but. I think yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, um, and yeah. there's there's so many different things to go on with acupuncture. You know, we don't see or other people are doing on the on the internet or not sharing. 
Yeah, yeah, and I was really exposed to that that world in, in Vietnam, and it, it was it was really cool. Like all these different practices, uh, the the styling of needling, they all use freehand over there. So that's that's always like quite different to what we use because we use tubes. So and I'd really like to get in the freehand because it'd be really nice. Yeah, I I, I actually really like using guide tubes. I think it mm. it makes life easy. Oh yeah. Why, I I feel like why would I make life hard for myself to get the same result? No, because it's it's really accurate. Like sometimes I find that if I'm doing ear, um, when I use the guide tube, it kind of falls to the bottom of the tube, and then I don't get the point that I want. Sometimes that's very simple. okay. That's sometimes. That, that's if, if you that's don't like good. really exact. If you're like really good with your freehand, it's mm. it's like probably the most accurate thing you can do. I think with us when we try freehand, we're just like hail mary. Boop. <laughs> and and you're, like, you're very shaky. It's, yeah, you're very nervous. So Most it takes a lot of experience. He was really assertive. Uh, Doctor Don was really assertive when he was needling. So, I mean, he was doing like scalp acupuncture with freehand. And I'm like, I think oh. scalp you need freehand. Because yeah? that seminar seminar I did, it was all freehand, and it you have to position your hand so that it supports in the needle, and it pretty much it's just like that's it. It's that's re- it, yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels better to freehand needle the scalp like even like do 20 and things like that yeah i yeah. know i feel that oh, on that seminar thing so uh you, you did a sem- you did a se- uh, involved in a seminar is that yeah, right yeah so i was lucky enough that the company i work for they run seminars as well and i got to help out and attend um dr Drew's scalp acupuncture seminar in melbourne and it was oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's this like old man, but he's just got so much energy and he makes the patient smile. And the theory behind it is super simple, but effective because I see it in action at the clinic I work at all the time. And yeah, it's really, it's really good. That's another technique that we, um, that we underutilize is the scalp acupuncture. And I even see, I'm, I'm in a few groups on Facebook. Um, I get involved a little bit in social media, obviously. And a lot of them are asking, like, oh, can I use this for scalp acupuncture? Yeah. Oh, could scalp acupuncture be involved here? Yeah. And I, I feel like it's just underutilized in our study. Yeah, that, um, that being said, there's so many different systems of scalp acupuncture. Like, when, I f- when we first learned it at uni, I was just like, okay, this is scalp acupuncture. But now I've realized, like, that there's so many different systems to that with different points in different locations and that maybe sometimes the classic one like there's other ones that you could utilize that are more effective yeah i, I remember you were talking about the, your the scalp acupuncture that you experienced when you were at the seminar and it was so diverse so much more than we know like we know the the basic like vision area Motor area. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've talked it, about it. I've used it about like twice or three times in clinic, maybe. And I was, yeah, maybe like, if I'm, that, yeah, like I was doing like the, I think it's the vision area. And then I'll, I'll, I was like, is this the vision area or Goldbladder 8? I don't know. It, it's you one were, of those, I don't know. You only revise it when exams come around. Not even, bro. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have a patient that needs it, you, yeah, it. you make sure you know them for the patients. But I feel like, yeah, it's, underutilized in clinic too like very few students student practitioners that i speak to actually use scalp acupuncture i feel like that's i feel like there's a lot of information already and when we have to use all the other modalities we get a bit we get a bit confused we get a bit like information overload um and i feel like that happens with ear acupuncture the auricular acupuncture as well i think i feel like that's a bit underutilized because we can use that for a lot of stuff yeah and we just we just forget about it or we just don't use it or we're too nervous, not experienced enough with it. I feel like it's a shame. Yeah. yeah. 
there, there was that P- PTSD protocol that mm. uh, me and Lisa went through, um, and she did a whole shoot on it. Yeah, that was that was really interesting, and in that you could use uh, auricular for something like uh, like PTSD, depression, and things yeah. like that. I, I think we usually use like Shedman and Heart mm. very commonly for those type of things, but using a whole protocol and yeah. there's like certain pro- I didn't the fact that there's protocols yeah. kind of like was like whoa a whole new a whole new world for me mm. so what's the normal protocol for PTSD yeah I have a sheet for it I don't remember <laughs> talking oh, about okay, it right, <laughs> right. but I do remember there's like about three in the lobe uh, mm. three in the lobe one in the what was it edge trackers yeah the there's a research paper on it I can't remember it off the top of my head but um, we'll if you guys are keen to know what it is we'll post it somewhere for you yeah we'll find a link yeah. for it we'll We'll get it up. Find a and link or something. I don't know. The other thing we don't use is um, electro on the ear. That's, that's another thing that I've I've only just sort of seen a book about. I didn't go into depth. But yep. I feel like that's really interesting as well. Electro on the head is something that I saw in Vietnam. And we're told like not to do that in Australia. Cause it's like, no, no, no. We oh. can do it. Oh, we do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And we can do it at clinic. We can um, do it in clinic. Yeah, it's... Oh. But only if the clinician is comfortable. Yeah, that, yeah. Because no, we're I under their insurance. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it was like it was just like electro for everything. Mm. Like you wouldn't air, yeah. you put it everywhere. Mm. Like even well, it makes sense. You know, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the no no safety questions were asked. But oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you get that. I I totally get that. That's that's fine. So that's the other thing about being student practitioners is that we practice under a clinician license. So some of the things that we may want to do sometimes is limited by what the clinician is comfortable with and each clinician has their own style. So I think for us we have to figure out what their style is and kind of work with them because some clinicians like I think you guys experience it more. You suggest something and they're just like, nope, do this instead. Yeah, but it's good to have that. It's good to have like a number of clinicians to have such a diverse, you know, look on things because they come up with different, different theories. And like one clinician will use the five elements, and one will really focus on yin yang, or one will focus on like sleep as their main thing. So like focusing on their lifestyle rather than their actual condition. And when their their lifestyle picks up, their conditions will get better. And it's really interesting to see all those different dynamics. It's, it's true, and I, I totally get that. Like, I had, I had one patient who had come in and was like, you know, I'm feeling really run down. I feel really tired. I'm not eating well, eating like crap, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, not sleeping. And then so I did one treatment that was just solely based on just calming, calming her down. She had a good night's sleep. Next week she comes in and she's like, I felt great. I feel great. I've been eating well. I've been sleeping well. And then I've never seen her again since then. So... Uh, it could be just, e- like, I, I get why people focus on just the sleep. Like, it might seem really, like, okay, that's really, part, that's really like... It, it's, I feel like it's pretty sad when people just say, you know, they say, oh, it's just my sleep. It's always been like that. And then they don't relate it to their problems. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, we like to think holistically. We like to bring everything together and say, like, this is the whole package. If we fix these these things happening, some other things might get better and we can you know, adjust as we go. Yeah. Oh, well, for, for me personally, and this is uh, this is like even not as relevant to Chinese medicine in general, personally, if I fall down in terms of like my eating or my sleeping or m- mainly my sleep personally or like my exercise, then that's where my own, uh, my other stuff comes in. So like maybe my mental health, maybe my immune system goes down. Like it, it, it manifests in different ways and I don't think people realize that a lot of the time. So it's important to get your sleep and your and keep up that lifestyle. I yeah, I, th- I think it is definitely important to keep up lifestyle. And you don't realise as much. 
I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's good. No, nah, Tim, nah, Tim, you've been real quiet. You have um, been real quiet. No, I'm I know. Just, I'm just listening. No, I know. I know. Lately, I know. Lately, you've been on like your. Uh, you had like a nice, good holidays. We just finished holidays, guys. Um, yes. I know. We you just had a nice, good holidays, and you felt feel like really productive. Um, in, it's in good to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of your lifestyle, uh, you, you've Im- you've improved that facet. In what way have you improved your lifestyle? Because like? I know you had a good time on your hol- holidays. Mm-hmm. So in what ways would you say that like you've contributed? Lifestyle ways yeah. that I can improve myself. Um, I think. What like what do you normally say when you say lifestyle? It's I mean, like, like basic eating, fast, eating, sleeping, sleeping, uh, exercise, habitual things like habitual that. Stuff. What, what do you think? Like someone can improve on when let's just say I'm just the average Joe and I'm just eating the normal Australian diet and just like getting like six seven hours of sleep. What would you normally recommend them so that they can improve? their lifestyle from there it's like they still like have a high chance of like risk fa- uh, risk factors of like heart disease and all that stuff how would you tell the average Joe to um, improve how to improve their health when this sort of stuff happens well there's tools for that there are, there are tools and I'm not being like condescending like there are tools for you to improve your, your sleep and your eating habits and things like that things like eating diaries that's that's one thing sleeping schedules uh, eating, I found that really I heard diaries aren't that nutritious uh, when you <laughs> start eating them <laughs> <laughs> you have to throw that in there, didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's coming out of his shell. He's getting, yeah, uh, he's getting a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> what a cute guy. Well, uh, what 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 kind of um, what kind of like little tips and tricks can you recommend the average Joe that would really help them? Like yeah. something small or something easy that they can like just pick up, like a little pick me up. Uh, definitely, definitely sleeping schedules. Oh, what were you about to say, Nick? No, I I had nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to, you were about to dip up to the, the mic. mic. I just thought, you know. I'll pop up. <laughs> no, I think it's really important to have a good look at diet. Um, I feel like people think they have a good diet, but in Chinese medicine, maybe lacking something or have an underlying condition that they're just fueling mm. from eating too much food, too much one group of food or, you know, not looking at their diet properly. Yeah, just be mindful of what you're eating. Mm. Like, you could you could be eating a whole bunch of fatty foods and then not, not aware of the fact that, oh, you know, I have a phlegmy throat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also cold foods, like too much salads and smoothies. I guess from a Western perspective, like you're eating lots of fruits, vegetables, but from a Chinese medicine perspective, all of that is cold. And sometimes it can hurt your spleen and stomach. It takes too much energy to warm up the food and then break it down. So that's something that... I tend to say to patients if like they have digestive issues, try and like drink warm water or like warm up your foods. Um, so that could be one thing mm-hmm. that yeah. someone could take on. I think yeah. a common pitfall that um, a lot of people don't actually know that I found Chinese medicine helped a lot is like if I have something like I have a cold or a runny nose and I eat like um, ice cream or something and they're like, oh, it's just got worse after I just had some ice cream yeah. or something. Like, mm. what's up with that? And then it's like, aha. This, <laughs> is, where, this is like a classic aha moment where it's mm. like Chinese med. This like totally answers everything in Chinese med. Whereas I'm not too, I'm not entirely sure about the sort of Western med medicine perspective of. Well, they don't, I, I feel like they don't connect those bridges as well as Chinese med do where we bring everything together. Like I was saying before, you know, we, we talk about diet and we talk about sleep and lifestyle and we bring all that together and talk about the condition that they have. And then when you start to connect them all, then the patients or the people, they start to think, oh, so this could actually be affecting my condition. Or, yeah. you know, I've got a sore back and 
but I don't eat much food and I drink no water and, you know, I sit at a desk all day and I do nothing and then they wonder why these problems happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, side note, just like connecting to an earlier topic, that's actually what my dad said when I started Chinese medicine. He was like, you got to understand when you do Chinese medicine, it's going to, quote, change your life. Um, and that was because... And I understand that now because every time I, th- I think of a certain lifestyle aspect, I think of it in Chinese med terms. So if I'm if I'm having like a hell of a lot of KFC, I'm like, oh man, that's dampness. That's a hell of dampness. And I'm not surprised if my stomach is going to be upset and be weak after I have this, K- this KFC or whatever. I feel like since studying Chinese medicine, I've become really judgy. <laughs> <laughs> have you? I, start, I start to like think like, oh, this will affect this. Or if you do that, it will happen. This will happen. Like, this will lead to this. Like to yourself? To, to yourself or to other people? Everybody. <laughs> Just in my own head. Like, you know, I start to oh, connect. yeah. And so like when people are talking about their problems or something, you know, I'm connecting all the dots. Just so I'm constantly thinking about all the connections in my head. It's like your perceptions of, uh, of, of like your, your surroundings and people around you. Yeah. And how it could affect the yin or the chi or blood or whatever. Yeah. You know. But talking about your dad in Chinese medicine, do you feel like you have to feel shoes? You know, oh hell yeah! Do you, do yeah. you feel the pressure? Oh, definitely. Especially when you're in, you're going around campus and you're like, oh, you're George's son, and my, like you know, uh, context also. My dad has a PhD, so that's <laughs> a, that's that's some big shoes to fill. Like, uh, and and especially w- when we went to Vietnam, he was like, he was going around the village. He's like, oh, George or Bing, that's his Vietnamese name, Bing. You're what the heck? And then every night we we're catching up with like there was one night we were literally at this fancy restaurant having like salmon and like crab and lobster with like the head of the head of uh, a research department a, a head of a hospital I was like, like two heads of hospitals um like and two res- two research scientists from germany and and like he's just so highly regarded i'm pretty sure his name is on a shrine somewhere in vietnam i don't, I don't even know. He, owns, I know he just owns half of vietnam <laughs> yeah apparently he's like some like sort of some sort of kingpin and you can imagine what type of like for me anyway. I'm, I was like, I didn't know you were this powerful. What the heck? So yeah, there's definitely some shoes to fill. Most definitely. Do you guys feel other pressures? Like, do you feel? Because personally, I don't have much pressure from my family. Like, I only put pressure on myself to succeed. I feel like I need to succeed, otherwise I'll, you know, be nothing. But do you guys feel that, Charlene, Tim? Yeah, I think from the moment that I told my parents I wanted to study Chinese medicine, they were like, yep, you will have this clinic in this location <laughs> and this many rooms and then you can live out the back or like you can live here and then it'll take you like two minutes to get there or they had my whole life planned pretty much. Do you get? Do you guys get like society pressure? Because like, you know how we always get that sort of, ah, oh, Chinese medicine doesn't always work, Chinese medicine's like this. And then you do you do you guys ever get the pressure that like to perform you have to perform it's like this has to work or else it's like it's just everyone's expectation where it's just absolutely just crap. I get the pressure of being a white male. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that that only comes from every time I talk to somebody about Chinese medicine, they give me a funny look because I'm not Chinese. Oh, um, true. But other than that. I feel like I have to hold a standard for myself. Like I need, I want this medicine to succeed, so I'm going to try hard to make it succeed. Yeah, um, yeah. And put that. in the effort and put in the work, and it will produce, you know, good good results. Yeah, I'd imagine like the the reaction that you get when you say, "Oh, I do Chinese medicine," is going to be different to the reaction I get. So it's like that like you get that I get. I yeah, know. it's always. So do you speak Chinese? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got that that's, too. That's always the first. And then it's, oh, so do you have a like, Chinese background or like why? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not that uncommon for, you know, white people or other than Chinese people to be in Chinese medicine. There's yeah. On that, how were you exposed to Chinese medicine in general? Because I like, yeah, you I wasn't. <laughs> there was no exposure. Oh, like at all? University was the only exposure. I've so, ever so had. you saw just like, like you it was a, it was a um a suggested course. To, oh, really? To take. So I just thought I'll put it number one, and I probably won't get in because I the, my year twelve results weren't what I expected, um, and I was quite disappointed. But then I kept it as number one just for whatever, and yeah. Dang. I just got in and never looked back. Loved it ever since. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, ha- you really have loved it though. You've really embraced like all aspects yeah, of I, it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is sort of what I'm meant to do. You know, I've been like yeah, it's your calling sort of thing. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's yeah, I'm I'm here for a reason and this is sort of it and if I don't make it work, I will it won't <laughs> I won't work, you know? <laughs> Like this is this is it for me. Yeah, I've always seen the pa- like the passion from you. Like, like generally, um, it's gonna get real soppy. But <laughs> generally, like in in our class, like I think you've upheld like the constant, the constant passion. Like for me personally, anyway. Like in in the first and second year, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then it wasn't until I actually started going to clinic where I started to find my own drive. So for you to like constantly have that drive the whole time, starting from first year until now fifth year, like that's uh, I can tell. Like, dude, you're so passionate about it. Thanks. Talking about um, not having the drive or, you know, feeling like sort of like whatever, do you want to talk about those experiences like mid-course where you're sort of thinking about dropping or, um, yeah, yeah. you know, not continuing? Because, um, Tim, didn't you have a similar experience? That's deep, dude. Straight into the... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, if, if you're comfortable. No, no, I'm down. We'll, I'm down. We'll talk about something else. But, yeah, because I... I sort of never had that I've, you know like I said I've always felt like this is sort of it for me but you know you guys you guys did have that mid-course experience that's not uncommon at all where you thought maybe this isn't isn't for me and where am I going and what am I doing yeah so, shall no. we talk about that yeah no that's that's been a thing um I know for me anyway I know me and Tim also have shared like experiences in terms of that and have like talked about it ain't that right true yes Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, being so vocal, Tim. <laughs> yeah, straight. Yes. <laughs> he's just here for the check. No, he's not even here. It's just a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, anyway, I felt the exhaustion like third year. Like, it was just... I think I was like dragging myself along first and second year because like, I think I was so exhausted from tw- year 12 because I, I tried really hard in year 12. I went ham. Like, it was crazy. So was that was that that you didn't like the content, or was the content too much, or like where was that coming from? I think I was just tired in general. Like that, just not in, like were you not inspired? Yeah, I wasn't inspired. Like I, I found it really interesting. I, I think I think I found it really interesting, but because first year and second year were pretty dominated by our Western medicine uh, subjects, it felt really. What's the word like? It, it's pretty heavy at the yeah, start. It's, it's heavy, it's and I think I'm, I was used to. I was used to the like, subjects being really, really heavy to the point where I'm like, I, I really don't want to do like I, don't, I don't want to do do this 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 type of thing anymore because I did like Asian five in high school and I like ran myself to the ground and I think I was just burnt out. I think. And how did you get over that? Was it clinic that got you over that, or was yeah. there other things? It, it was definitely clinic. 
it was it was definitely clinic. Charlene wants to know what Asian Five is. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Asian Five. Uh, it's been uh, a long Charlene time oh, since okay. I went to high school. So. And, and she did not attend high school in Melbourne. No, <laughs> not in Victoria. Oh, Asian Asian Five. Um, physics, chem. What was it physics, chem, m- methods, specialist, Spech, specialist. Um, I also I also did an extra <laughs> two subjects in. Oh no, I did three year twelve subjects in year eleven. So I did lit. I did nerd alert. <laughs> gang, <laughs> I didn't do good in any of them. It's all right. Um, I did literature, methods, and uh, biology in year eleven. Year twelve, I only did four subjects. So I did uh, physics, chem, specialist, maths, and English. Oh, good job. Good job. Yeah. And here you are. Scale it up. Got me through. Gang. <laughs> so so Tim, tell us about how you felt in that mid-course drop where you were a bit concerned or worried and then how you got over it or if you did get over it. Because it's uh, okay to not get over yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I, I think it's, it's, a rough, it's a rough time, I think, um, especially for doing a very specific course like uh, Chinese medicine because it's, it's, not, it's not like your standard um, pressure where it's like you have... Uh, science, arts, uh, that those sort of courses. Bees just creeping around the room trying to get a drink, <laughs> trying to not make noise. <laughs> we can acknowledge, we can acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the the very um, stock standard for the average Melbourne, like Victorian, is just like if you're not going to uni or TAFE, then oh, if you are going to uni, then it's just arts, science. Uh, uh, engineering and stuff like that that sort of um, very very broad sort of course before you find out what you want to do and I think committing to a course like Chinese medicine where it's like you only have one choice which is Chinese medicine it's like you don't have any other options it it gets to you thinking it's like is this really what your calling is or is this something that you because you if you're going to commit to the course, you're going to have to commit the rest of your life to doing a course. And it, it gets you thinking, it's like, is this something that you are really going to do for a career or for a profession? And, and did you find that, that was this is your calling? Or are you still wondering? I think I'm still, I'm still in the sort of uh, the limbo, sort of just thinking. Um, I think there has to be a sort of definitive answer before I can sort of choose. But I think I'm just trying to do something at least rather than doing nothing. Yeah, that's that's the best advice I've gotten from pre, like pre-uni. Oh, sorry, no, during that whole time of, you know, uh, I didn't want to do it. It's, it's at least you're doing something. At least you're doing, at least if you're, if you're, if you don't know what you want to do, at least do a course because I'll, in the end of the day, you're still moving forward. Mm. You know what I mean? And if you're not sort of moving forward, I think... The world's still moving, so you're moving backwards if you're not moving forwards. Damn. Damn, that's, that's, deep. that's, 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 that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> well, on that deep note, we've almost hit 40 minutes, so um, we could probably wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If we've talked about everything we want to talk about. I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, this is going to be a weekly podcast, so tune in, uh, subscribe, or follow, whatever, you, however you follow us. Yeah, I don't even know how we like displaying this so like well, is it just like they just they can follow us they can just like subscribe. I believe so yeah, believe yeah so. you can subscribe to the podcast and hopefully we will try and we'll try and be everywhere we can um, we're new to this obviously we're as the audio will as the audio will tell you will be able to tell that we're very new 
Yeah, so any feedback would be good too. Uh, if you yes, like, definitely. If you pick up on something that we don't and we need to fix it up, then we will with each episode. We're, yeah. we're going, we're learning. We probably should make a Facebook page. <laughs> we haven't done that yet, have we? Yep. No, and no, no, also no. let us know if there's topics you want to hear about or you want us to discuss. Um, we'll try and listen to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you wanted to follow us individually, we do have uh, different accounts. Like we've got Instagram. Uh, we've got other accounts too. We'll put it. We will link those. Yeah. yeah, in the show notes. Um, we'll try and find some some of that research paper that Charlie was talking yeah. about. And uh, otherwise, I think that's us. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, for enjoy listening. your 2019. Hope yeah. you yeah. had happy a happy new year. year. And yep. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye, gang. Bye. Oof.